Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today is a really important show because we're going to be talking about how 9-11 is still destroying us today and why Americans want to be in denial. Now, um, first of all, before I get into the, the uh, meat of, the, of this topic... I want to give you a little bit of background as to why I became uh, the terrorist therapist. Ever since 9-11, I have um, been working to do things to help people cope with terrorism, not only with the memory of 9-11, which is still affecting us, as I'll go on to explain, but uh, living every day uh, under the threat of terrorism. I mean, you know, of course, now we're all kind of thinking about coronavirus and the riots and politics, and I can assure you, however, that terrorists are still thinking about us and still have their plan long, from long, long ago, their ongoing plan to destroy the West. Now, I was born and bred in New York City. And when 9-11 happened, even though I was already living in California, it hurt my heart. My heart is still with New York, in New York. I left my heart in New York. And when this happened, um, I decided that I would devote myself, as I said, to helping people deal with this ongoing threat. I mean, the interesting thing is that people aren't really thinking about is that coronavirus, at least the, this uh, pandemic, is going to be over at some point. And terrorism is not. It is still going to rear its ugly head, and people are going to say, what? <laughs> I didn't know they were still around. Well, yeah, not only are they still around, but um, I do a, a podcast every week called The Terrorist Therapist Show. So I am constantly doing research to pick out the hottest things in terrorism. And I can assure you from that, you know, keeping my finger on the pulse, that um, they have not gone away, that they have not changed what they plan to do, and that, in fact, they're seeing us as weakened by our distraction with coronavirus and our getting sick with COVID and so on. And um, they are, you know... um, putting out a lot of propaganda still to recruit people. And the interesting part is that uh, because people, so many people are in lockdown in America, well, in other places too, but right now I'm talking about America at 9-11. Since so many people are in lockdown, they are spending a lot of time, more time on their computers, scrolling around on their computers. And so we have a lot more people who are finding um, ISIS and Al-Qaeda propaganda. And this is a good, it's been a very successful recruiting time for them, especially since um, there is so much hate, um, you know, floating around America in regard to other issues. 
So, um, so anyhow, so since 9-11, as I was trying to say, I have been doing this work um, and doing all kinds of things. The first thing I did was a, a um, video, uh, audio video program on airlines um, entertainment about a relaxation video because, of course, since 9-11 or right after 9-11 and for quite a while after, people were afraid to fly because of the planes um, attacking the Twin Towers and so on. So um, so I did this relaxation uh, program so that people would become uh, have less anxiety about flying. And then I, I wrote a book called Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted that was published in London on the one-year anniversary of their 9-11, which was 7-7 in 2005. And so the book was published in 2006. And then my most recent, um, and then of course, of course I've helped people one-on-one coping with terrorism and I've given uh, speaking engagements talking about it. And my latest book is Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. It's meant to be shared uh, by grown-ups, parents, grandparents, teachers, and so on with children. And, um, and there's a part in the beginning for the grown-ups, and then there is a picture book and an interactive book, the second half of it, for kids. So... Um, and that book has won five awards so far, um, Hollywood, New York, London, and Paris, and the Mom's Gold Choice Award. And I had started going all around the world, like starting, you know, in those places, of course, uh, doing speaking engagements and book signings and all of that. And then COVID came along. So my uh, continuing speaking engagements, at least in person, have had to be uh, postponed. But that's okay because, as I said at the beginning, terrorism is still going to be there. Um, I, um, I feel really strongly about this. I feel that it's really important that Americans who are in denial don't want to, don't forget about this for the various reasons for why, how it's affecting us. And we need to be awake and aware uh, of what the memory of 9-11 is still doing and living under the threat of terrorism is still doing to us because these are very serious effects. So I'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let me um, rant a bit about the fact that uh, the news that just came out, families of 9-11 victims will not read names at Memorial this year amid COVID-19. Really? You know, the usual um, tradition since 9-11-2001 has been, well, actually, (laughs) the memorial wasn't built right away, but um, the tradition has been, at least in terms of uh, the media and so on, even before the actual, uh, the whole memorial was built, which, by the way, if you haven't been to the 9-11 memorial, it is an amazing, amazing place and um, site and very moving. And also the two 9-11 museums that um, are every American should see all of that. Um, so anyhow, this year they decided that family members will not read the names. Um, they sent an invitation out to the 9-11 next of kin 
telling them that they're not going to read the names. And instead, the ceremony will play a recording of a past name reading. I mean, families look forward. You know, this is their... The families have not... (laughs) The grief that families, 9-11 families feel, and I know this from firsthand experience trying to help them, their grief is still as much alive today as it was in 2001. Because the shocking way that their husbands and wives and uh, children and relatives and, and dear friends and so on, the tragic way that they died and this assault on America is just not something, it's not a normal kind of grieving. Not that, not that we all don't grieve uh, very deeply. But they look forward to this annual reading of the names, reading of the names themselves. And, you know, um, usually, or that at the beginning, right after 9-11, when they started reading the names, that was covered by television uh, stations all over the world. And even some radio stations put on part of it and so on. And it was, it was actually not just for the relatives and the friends of, the, of these people, the, the, the victims of 9-11, but it was really for all of us, for all of America, to share their grief. It was a way that we could all honor the deceased and uh, share the grief and come together to remember 9-11. So... This year, now they're using the, which it makes no sense. Let me tell you what they're doing here. So they're not having the, the people, the loved ones, read the names in person. They're playing this tape, but they are allowing uh, people to come to the Memorial Plaza. The um, invitation that was put out said, as we continue to develop plans for this year's 9-11 anniversary, our hope is to gather on the Memorial Plaza adhering to state and federal guidelines as they relate to social distancing and public gatherings. Um, As in years past, the focus of the commemoration will be the reading of the names. We will not ask family members to read the names of victims in person on a stage this year. Instead, we will use recorded name readings from the museum's in-memoriam exhibition to ensure that your loved one is recognized and remembered. Now, that sort of implies um, that sort of implies that uh, you know they took a poll or they asked a few of the relatives and uh, who said that they you know perhaps didn't want to come amongst the crowd or whatever, but. I can assure you that most of the relatives, there was, they could have provided the same social distancing for the relatives and, and, you know, the loved ones of the victims as they are doing for whoever the various people are who are going to be coming to the plaza anyway. So this makes no sense. I, you know, I hate to believe that it's a, um, it's like a PR stunt to um, get people to, you know, to, um, to know about uh, what the museum has in store, you know, the, to, to publicize the museum, in other words, because they have lost a ton of money and people should go to the museum. I do recommend that you go to the museum. Museums, there are two of them. Um, but, uh, so, you know, perhaps that is the reason. Um, 
But it is really, it is whoever made that final decision made a major mistake. They are going to be having two moments of silence, uh, which they usually do. The moments that the planes um, struck the uh, World Trade Center towers. Six moments of silence commemorating the exact time each of the World Trade Center towers was struck and fell. And the attack on the Pentagon and crash of United Airlines Flight 93 in Pennsylvania. So that's going to be between 8.30. The the program begins at 8.30 a.m. And the first moment of silence will be at 8.46 a.m. So um, I suggest that you would all at least listen to that, watch that if it's on television. But each year, the ceremony and anything having to do with 9-11 has been less and less... um, talked about in the media and this is the ultimate denial of terrorism and of 9-11 and of the importance of that day and um, you know so next year what they're they're not going to be doing anything they're going to get used to just using the tape recording and not doing anything I mean this is really really awful Um, okay now I you know I, I want to explain um, why it is that you should be outraged at this, and why, um, oh, in fact, not only is this ceremony going to be a, 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 um, a shadow of its former self, but there was even a question as to whether the light beams, you know, every year there are light beams commemorating 9-11 that shine at night, and there was even this, they, they were going to not even have the light beams until uh, there was enough uh, complaints that they decided that they were going to do it. But, and their excuse for that was the same. It was that, um, you know, the people, these light beams take a lot of people to work together to make it happen, and we don't want to have the, these people get together because of COVID, the danger, blah, blah, blah. I mean, really? <laughs> um, so then someone else, someone volunteered, a uh, philanthropist, um, volunteered to pay for and organize the light beams himself. And I guess when that happened, um, the people who are normally involved with uh, putting on the light beams decided, no, that does not look good, <laughs> that we have to have some uh, individual citizen, you know, take the place of what we're not doing. And so then they decided to do it. Thank goodness. Um This is really sad, and if you're, you know, I hope that you're understanding the importance of this, but um, the importance of this, first of all, the reason why this is happening for all the, you know, all the blaming of COVID-19 and all of that, it really has to do with um, a lot of denial that is going on. Um, That's what I'm talking about today, how 9-11 is still destroying us and why Americans want to be in denial. Now, clearly one would not think that the two museums want to be in denial because they want people to come to their museum. But still, one has to wonder why they, were, they made these, um, these decisions about the ceremony but, and the lights. 
But um, but for for so many Americans, um, I just posted some of this on Twitter and, and on on LinkedIn, social media, various post, various platforms on social media. And I had one woman on LinkedIn write to me um, something about you know, oh, you want that to happen? Um, on you want people to come to the uh, to the memorial and and read the names and. You know, what about COVID and spreading COVID? Well, apparently they're going to be allowing uh, the public to come on the memorial grounds. So what do you mean, what about COVID? I mean, that, that, just, that kind of a reaction really just, um, you know, infuriates me. It also makes me sad because um, w- <laughs> there are so many ways in which we are still being affected unconsciously, if not consciously. And I'll give you just some examples. First of all, the obesity epidemic began after 9-11 because people started eating comfort food and they continued eating comfort food. And now with the pandemic and everything else going on, um, people are continuing to eat more comfort food. Um, So that's one thing. The increase in alcohol and drug abuse uh, happened after 9-11. Cutting, you know, teen girls and um, not just girls, but the, the usually it's mostly teenagers who cut themselves and, um, you know, self-destruct, self-destructive behavior increased after 9-11. Anxiety, depression, PTSD increased after 9-11. And yes, it's increasing even more now with uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and suicide, last but not least, Suicide increased after 9-11, and a lot of that has to do with not wanting to live in a world where um, these kinds of things could happen, you know, being so traumatized by it that, and being so fearful of this happening again um, that people committed suicide, and there was a, a large increase in that, which has continued to today. I mean, even before coronavirus, not counted coronavirus, up until that pandemic and lockdown and so on began, the suicide rates, just like all these other things that I was talking about, even before coronavirus and the lockdown began, these things if you have been steadily increasing since 9-11. That is the common denominator. Well, when we come back, <laughs> I will talk more about some of the ways that 9-11 is still destroying us. Um, and all the other questions that you might have about why is it important, why do we want to bury the memory of 9-11, and why it's so important to not do that. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? 
call the Terrorism Hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today about 9-11, how 9-11 is still destroying us, and why Americans want to be in denial. So let me talk about that, Americans being in denial, and why do we want to bury the memory of 9-11? Well, think about it. Um, If you think back on your childhood, there are things painful memories that you have. Uh, Perhaps it is of a parent's abuse or a parent who is an alcoholic and would come home drunk and abuse your mother or your father. Um, A parent who abandoned you. The loss of your first love. Whatever some disappointment, not getting into the college that you wanted. Everybody, everybody has lots of things in their childhood uh, or in their previous life, you know, I mean, what I mean by that is however old you are in the years before, (laughs) before today, I don't mean that you have, I'm not talking about many lives, I'm talking about in your lifetime, there are things that we all want to forget, things that are really painful, painful memories. And so what does our mind do with these painful memories? It covers them over. It stuffs them into our unconscious mind so that we don't, aren't aware of them every moment of the day. Um, part of this is called cognitive dissonance, a name for, um, for, a name for things, in, not so much the memories of like childhood, but when we have, um, like, like particularly in regard to 9-11, for example, Now, we can all remember where we were on 9-11, but, um, and before coronavirus, every day, uh, newscasts would have some kind of story about terrorism. Now, of course, it's all uh, coronavirus or politics or the riots, back-to-back, peaceful protests, as they call them. Um, So, uh, so... On the one hand, we take in information, let's say about uh, about terrorism. Well, we were taking before we were taking in, or even now, we're taking in information 
And because it is painful to think about 9-11 and terrorism in general, we push that into our unconscious mind. Our, and this is something that our mind does, similarly to what our mind does with painful childhood memories or painful memories of, of things even more recent. Um, this is the way that our mind protects us. Because if we were thinking every moment about things that these, all these painful memories, things from our childhood to today, the big disappointments in our life, then we wouldn't be able to function. We would just be absorbed in all of this despair from these painful memories. So to some degree, it's a natural process to want to bury the memory of something that's painful. However, <laughs> when, um, when it is something important to, the, to our own health and the health of our country, um, then we need to not bury it. We need to, um, to consciously be conscious of uh, keeping it in mind and certainly honoring the victims and commemorating the anniversary. I mean, that's, you know, the times that people remember that terrorism is out there is 9-11, and when we go to the airport and we are asked to take off our shoes and all that, that's when all of a sudden it jogs our memory, and oh, yeah, there were terrorists, there still are terrorists. <laughs> that's what people want to know. Um, there's another interesting angle that, as a psychiatrist, um, I think about, 9-11 has caused us to feel like abused children. I know, you're scratching your head and saying, what? What does 9-11 have to do Why is with, with feeling like an abused child? Well, abused children blame themselves, even though, of course, it's never the fault of an abused child or of a child, period. Uh, if they are being abused, it's never their fault. But children tend to blame themselves and feel shame and feel self-loathing. And so um, 9-11, with its, you know, various uh, attacks, that was a, they were violent attacks like abuse, physical abuse. And it's like an unseen giant taking a strap to us or um, hitting us with something else. Um, some, some kind of physical abuse. And so we have reacted again unconsciously by blaming ourselves, you know, all of this uh, anti-America uh, rioting and so on. Um, part of that is caused by, by us feeling bad about ourselves. And not just the riots, but just in general, before the riots. We have lost a kind of um, we have lost the feelings that we used to have about America being number one and the best country in the world and all of that. And we have, um, well, not everybody has lost it. And certainly, <laughs> certainly uh, there are people trying to bring back that sense. Um, but there has been a general lowering of our self-esteem and blaming ourselves. And, and the polish has, <laughs> what's that, the... Um, Oh, I forgot the expression, but the, the bloom, the bloom has come off the rose to some degree. Now, um, do we still need to talk to our kids about 
Uh, yes, the answer is a resounding yes. And not just because I wrote Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, oh my, <laughs> but because, you know, um, a couple of years ago, Vice President Pence said that 25% of the country was not born at the time of 9-11. And that, of course, keeps increasing. The percentage keeps increasing every year. So... Um, what does that mean? Why do we, so, you know, some people are think, some parents might think, or some teachers might think, well, great, then we don't have to uh, tell them about it. You know, it was a horrible, horrible day, the worst day ever. And so let's, why, you know, ruin our kids' lives by talking to them about it? Well, um, first of all, because they weren't around then, um, that doesn't mean that they aren't being affected, and I'll get into that in a little while. But um, what is important, besides you know recognizing how they've been affected, is that this is uh, talking to the kids about terrorism is the 21st century birds and the bees talk about sex. In other words, it's something that makes people uncomfortable grown-ups uncomfortable when they have to talk to kids about it, but it is vital. It is absolutely um, critical that you talk to your kids about it, even if it makes you feel awkward, a little embarrassed, and all of that. Now, there's nothing to really feel embarrassed about exactly in regard to 9-11, but some parents do feel awkward about it because they're afraid that they're going to talk about it in the wrong way. They're afraid they're going to scare their kids. Um, and so on. But there are things that kids uh, need to know because if they don't know, now they weren't around to feel it. I mean, the 25 plus percent weren't around to feel it, the kids who weren't born yet by 9-11. So they, they don't feel it in their bones. In you know they, they don't have that experience in their bones if they weren't born yet. Um, but they will, there is, uh, they are feeling the effects of parenting by parents who were alive on 9-11, and I'll get to that in a minute about, in regard to how that's affecting them politically. But, um, since they, they weren't around on that day to feel it in their bones, or the kids who were too young to totally understand it, they still, they need to know that there is this threat out there. And you can tell them about it without scaring the parents off of them. And, um, and it's, it's, it's abuse, a different kind of emotional abuse, to not do so. Because you're sending them out into the world uh, totally unprotected, totally not prepared for um, the next attacks. You know, one of the reason why, reasons why we haven't been having attacks now, I mean, there have been attacks in other countries, believe me, um, you know, uh, we just don't hear about them in America. Uh, for example, you know, there's been, a trial has just started in Paris for the accomplices of the terrorists who attacked in 2015 the Charlie Hebdo magazine. Do you remember that? They put... It's a, it's a satirical magazine, and they have put from time to time um, cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad, and uh, including on their cover. 
And so in 2015, terrorists came to their uh, office and attacked them. And at the same, then uh, one terrorist who was associated with the two brothers who did that uh, attacked a kosher supermarket. So this was a big deal. I don't know if you remember it, but it was a very big deal, and it still is a big deal. Not as big as 9-11, but a big deal. And um, and that actually laid the groundwork for some other attacks in France um, from the man who ran his truck over the boardwalk in Nice to the um, attacks of the um, Bataclan, the concert, and the athletic um, arena, and so on. There have been many t- attacks in France and all over Europe and all over the world, really, after that. Um, and before, but I'm just saying this was one of the one of the classic, one of the most important attacks. And th- so the trial is going on now, and uh, the magazine actually, for, at, on the eve of the trial, published uh, uh, the magazine with a cover having these same uh, cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad that they were attacked for in the past. And the reason why they did that was because they wanted to show how important it is. They wanted to remind people how important it is to um, stand up for freedom of speech and freedom of the press. And um, that has been, uh, there have been some repercussions of these cartoons, you know, publishing the cartoons again. Um, You know, like Iran is uh, threatening, making threats and, and uh, there have been marches in Pakistan and things like that. So, uh, and so far, um, well, I haven't checked today, <laughs> but uh, the last time I checked, there hadn't been attacks in France or Paris specifically, but the trial is going to go till the middle of November, so there's still time. But um, that's a whole other story. The reason why I'm bringing that up is to show you that uh, a lot of things that are going on in regard to terrorism, terror attacks, are not being um, talked about in the mainstream media in America. So if you are thinking that there is, you know, the terrorists have gone to sleep, (laughs) or gone away, or all been killed by COVID, that isn't the truth. One of the main reasons why they haven't been attacking in the U.S. is because um, they like to attack where there are a lot of people, you know, with suicide vests or cars or things like that. And because of the lockdowns, there really haven't been a lot of places where there are crowds of people, you know, like the uh, attack at the Ariana Grande concert in Manchester in the UK. Um, You know, that was a huge crowd of people, and we don't have that right now. So um, we should not be lulled into complacency is the point of my story. So we need to talk to kids about terrorism, and I'll give you an example. I'm going to read from... Um, my book, uh, and an answer to a question. Kids have, you know, now that now, every year on the anniversary of 9-11 when, when there is some degree or there was some degree of uh, media attention to it, that's when kids generally ask questions about it. So here I, in part of my book, in the parts for the grown-ups, I give uh, sample questions and answers that kids might ask and what a parent could say. So one question that kids might have, especially like today when there hasn't been much about terrorism in the media lately, uh, a child might ask, what is terrorism? 
So this is the answer or an answer that I suggest to parents. Terrorism is like bullyism, but it is a threatening plan to push people around carried out by adults, not playground bullies. The word terrorism comes from terror. Terrorists are trying to make you feel terrified. Imagine having to watch a whole lot of scary movies one after the other. This is how scared they want you to feel. They are hoping you will be too terrified to go to school, play sports, have fun with your friends, go places with your family, or do anything else that makes you happy. They want you to be as miserable as they are. Of course, another another typical question that kids might ask at this particular time if they see something about 9-11 in the media, they might ask, will there be another attack? The parent could say, there are a lot of people working very hard to make sure there is not going to be another attack. They are trying to find terrorists before they get close to being able to carry out any more damage. And they are punishing terrorists who have done bad things or who are plotting to do bad things. We hope this will stop other terrorists because they won't want to be punished too. But no one really knows if there will be another attack or when or where. I can't promise that there won't be more attacks. What I can promise is to get our family prepared so that if there are any more attacks, we will be as safe as possible. So do you see with both of them, the idea is to explain these things in a way that makes it less scary to kids, but it is still telling them the truth. So um, when we come back, I'll tell you more about some things that kids might ask so that you could be prepared <laughs> if, they are, if you are a parent or a grown-up who interacts with kids and the kids ask you some of these questions. And then I'll tell you some more about, um, about what we need to do, uh, now, you know, assuming that, that there, we are being destroyed in these ways that I've talked about. What can we do about that and how can we save America? Stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I will be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today, actually, I have my uh, another hat on as well uh, as the terrorist therapist, Um talking to you about 9-11. Uh, I was, before the break, I was t- giving you some examples of answers that you can give to kids if they ask you about terrorism, um, because perhaps, uh, maybe, <laughs> you know, there's hope that there will be something on television or radio or somewhere, maybe in, you pass a newspaper stand uh, or something where you see a... Um, a uh, cover or on the internet or something. There may well, kids may well uh, see something about 9-11 from the media. And so they may start asking questions, especially young kids who, um, who weren't around on 9-11. So another question that they might ask is why do terrorists attack us? So the grown-up can say, Terrorists want to hurt people who don't believe in the same things they do, like the same God they believe in. They want us to follow their rules. They don't want us to be free or to think freely with our own ideas. Terrorists are so full of hate that they don't know how to talk calmly with us about their feelings, their ideas, their religion, and their reasons for being angry with us. So instead, they just have temper tantrums. Each time they explode a bomb, it is like they are having a big temper tantrum. You know that this isn't the right thing to do and it doesn't work. If you have a temper tantrum, you don't get your way, do you? Well, the terrorists are not going to get their way either. Now, in case any of you are thinking that, um, <laughs> or worrying or wondering if this book, how balanced this book is, in fact, um, it is very balanced, uh, both in the first half of the book that's for grown-ups And in the second half of the book, the picture book, the interactive uh, picture book for kids. And so, for example, in the grown-up part, I give 88 things that parents can do uh, with their kids to build resilience. And I talk about things like tolerance. And, um, And in the kids part, I give 10 things that kids can do themselves to build their own resilience. And I have... Things about uh, xenophobia, and here, let me tell you this. There is a long word, there is a long word called xenophobia, 
It means fear of strangers. Although you should report things or people who seem suspicious, it doesn't mean that you should suspect everyone who doesn't look like you or who comes from a different country or has a different religion than your family believes in. It's especially important to remember that not all Muslims are terrorists. Most Muslims want peace, just like we do. And some terrorists, like the ones who were born in America, may not even be Muslims. They are just traitors. So you should encourage your friends to get to know people and give them a chance to show you who they really are before assuming bad things about them. And so there are other parts in the book, too, where I talk like that, um, getting, telling the kids or telling the families uh, that what is important is what is in a person's heart, not what the color of their skin is. So let me talk about um, what to do. <laughs> what we need to do, um, now, that I've, now that I've told you about all the horrible things or all the horrible ways that you are still being affected by 9-11, the first thing that you need to do to fix all of this is to acknowledge it, is to recognize. Did you, in fact, um, uh, eat a lot of comfort food and put on some weight? I'm talking about before coronavirus. This is all in relation to, uh, in relation to terrorism. Um, did you, uh, did you, um, you know, start using, drinking a little more alcohol than usual? Are you feeling more anxious, more depressed? And yes, I know, of course, some of these things, anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, some, obviously these things, if you had those before, you know, from, from 9-11 and living in a world of terrorism, uh, they would be likely increased after COVID and, and lockdowns and so on and the riots um, and the political divisiveness <laughs> and so on. But if you think about it, um, it started with 9-11. So, you know, uh, so in any kind of psychological problem, the first step to healing is uh, acknowledging the problem and where it came from. So then the next thing to do is to help yourself. I talk about how it's important to think about living in a world of terrorism as a marathon, if you were going to run in a marathon, what would you do? You would practice. You would make yourself as healthy physically as possible. You'd go to the doctor and uh, check, do a checkup and see whether you have any physical problems and you would get treatment for them. And same thing with psychologically. How do you uh, fortify yourself psychologically? Um, you know, one thing is to... To decrease stress in your life, and I uh, talk about all kinds of stress relievers. I mean, you you know, you can Google stress relievers and take your pick from aromatherapy to calming music to um, keeping plants and flowers around your house to taking a walk in the sunshine. You know about these kinds of things. So, so the important thing is to think about it, though, every day. You know, just like if you were practicing for a marathon, you'd be doing these things to fortify yourself every day. Then recognize that you need leaders who are tough on terror, and I will get back to that. Um, and then also um, think about how countries are loving watching us, countries, terrorist countries, 
ter- countries where there is a lot of terrorism or terrorists are loving to watch us destroy ourselves. We are, you know, they see the, they see the same videos on the Internet that you're seeing um, where there are riots in the street and looting and so on, and they're thinking, hey, they're doing the hard work, you know. We, we don't have to do as much now. They're, Americans are, are destroying themselves. We don't have to uh, do as much of the dirty work. So we need to do things to stop all that craziness that's happening in the streets. Then um, we need to increase our pride. I was talking about, you know, feeling like an abused child after 9-11. And, um, and we need to get that pride back in America. Um, and, you know, it's not just America that the terrorists want to destroy. It's the whole West, Western civilization. So uh, I know that there are a lot of people listening to this show from all, all over the world, all different countries, um, even some of these countries that, uh, where there are uh, a fair number of terrorists. But, um, so you, but you, know, you all know that what I'm saying is true. Um, let me just tell you, I promised in the description of today's show that I would tell you about um, something happening with Osama, <laughs> little tidbits uh, regarding Osama and the niece of, um, of Osama. So in regard to Osama, they uh, discovered some pornography. You know, when they captured him, they um, captured a whole, all of his, you know, uh, his stash, all of the things that he had in his, in his house. And uh, it includes some pornography. And there's all kinds of theories about why he had pornography. And, of course, it could be just like he's a man. <laughs> and he likes pornography like other men like pornography. However, you know, um, that is not the uh, image that he wanted to give. Um, he wanted to, pre- he presented himself as someone who was a very strict Muslim and very religious. And um, that does not include watching porn. So, um, you know, now there's a question as to whether he actually watched it or whether other people watched it or whether it was already on the computer when he got the computer. And they are thinking now that, um, uh, that maybe, in fact, he was using porn. I mean, it could still be all these other things that I just mentioned, but maybe another reason why he had porn on his computer <laughs> was because he was using it to transmit messages, um, you know, to tell people to give commands to the outside world because he didn't trust email and he mostly sent couriers, um, but sometimes couriers were intercepted. So there is thought that there are, was coded instructions in his pornography. So there's that, <laughs> something to think about. Um, and now, and so then there's a question, would he be humiliated by knowing that, uh, that now the whole world knows that he had porn on his computer? I think, um, would he be humiliated? Um, that's, I think he might feel ambivalent about that, but, um, he wouldn't care if it was another way to get his name in the headlines and to remind people that he perpetrated the worst attack on America. Now, I only have a few minutes left, so I can't really go into this in great detail, but another thing that has come out is the niece 
of Osama bin Laden, um, Noor bin Laden. Uh, she is a 33-year-old woman, and she is saying that another 9-11 might be just around the corner if Joe Biden is elected president. She said, quote, ISIS proliferated under the Obama-Biden administration, leading to them coming to Europe. Trump has shown he protects America and us. When she says us, she means uh, Europe because she's living in Switzerland now. And us, by extension, from foreign threats by obliterating terrorists at the root and before they get a chance to strike. Um, She considers herself an American at heart. Uh, She has had a U.S. flag hung in her childhood room at the age of 12, and her dream vacation is an RV trip across America. She was um, born in Switzerland, and uh, her mother was Swiss, and her mother was married to a a relative of, um, of Osama. She's the daughter of Carmen Dufour, who's a Swiss author, and her father was Yeslam bin Laden, who is an older half-brother of Osama. And her parents went through a horrible divorce, and she and her two sisters and her mother then were raised in Switzerland. So, um, so she is very much a proponent of, you know, she's very much, as she says, an American at heart. And she's very worried about what's going to be happening to America if uh, Biden isn't elected. In fact, that was one of the very first reasons why I was for Trump, because of his uh, stance towards terrorism, that he felt really strongly that he had to do uh, significant things, take significant measures, as he has done against terrorism, from destroying the caliphate to destroying uh, major people in the, in the um, move, you know, the major terrorist leaders, and so on. So, please, um, answer your children's questions. Even don't wait till they answer questions. Talk to your kids about terrorism. You can explain it to them in ways that don't frighten them. I hope that my uh, suggested answers gives you some tips. And they need to know... <laughs> They need to know what is uh, potentially threatening them out there because, you know, hiding all of this from them and then one day they're finding out by some major attack is not the way to do it. They're going to say to you, why didn't you ever tell me about this before? Okay, well, please, honor, we're at the end. I just want to tell you, please do your part in honoring the victims of 9-11. You can do it regardless of what it shows on television or in the media, you can do your own ceremony. You can light a candle. You can plant uh, a flower or any kind of a plant in honor of the victims. Do that yourself at home. And that's a perfect time to explain as much as you can and want to your children. You know, of course, depending upon their age and their psychological maturity, but do something on your own to commemorate this day. Thank you for listening. To Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 